Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The poem says, Human voices wake us, and we drown. But I've made this podcast with the belief that human voices are what we need. And so, whether from a year or 3,000 years ago, whether poetry or prose, whether fiction or diary or biography, here are the best things we have ever thought, written, or said. Since October the 8th will be the one-year anniversary from when I started this podcast, uh, this will be the last episode until October 8th. I'll just take a break and figure out what I want to do for the second year, which will probably just be continuing what I'm doing now. But the last voice I wanted to leave you with for the first year of Human Voices Wake Us is someone that I have been wanting to put on here for a long time. Uh, It is a woman named Dolores Dante. She is a waitress uh, from, I believe she was interviewed in the 1960s sometime, by Studs Terkel for his wonderful book called Working. And this is the introduction that Studs Terkel gives to her. Dolores Dante. She has been a waitress in the same restaurant for 23 years. Many of its patrons are credit card carriers on an expense account. Conventioneers, politicians, labor leaders, agency people. Her hours are from 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. six days a week. She arrives earlier to get things ready. Quote, to get things ready. The silverware, the butter. When people come in and ask for you, she says, You would like to be in a position to handle them all, because that means more money for you. She goes on to say, I became a waitress because I needed money fast, and you don't get that in an office. My husband and I broke up and he left me with debts and three children. My baby was six months. The fast buck. Those are your tips. The first $10 bill that I got as a tip, a Viking guy gave to me. He was a very robust, terrific atheist, made very good conversation for us, because I am too. Everyone says all waitresses have broken homes. What they don't realize is when people have broken homes, they need to make money fast and do this work. They don't have broken homes because they're waitresses. And this is what she has to say. I have to be a waitress. How else can I learn about people? How else does the world come to me? And as I said in my last episode on loneliness, how I learn about people and how the world comes to me, usually, is through books like this one, Collections of Voices. I'll start over. I have to be a waitress. How else can I learn about people? How else does the world come to me? I can't go to everyone, so they have to come to me. 
Everyone wants to eat. Everyone has hunger. And I serve them. If they've had a bad day, I nurse them, cajole them. Maybe with coffee, I give them a little philosophy. They have cocktails. I give them political science. I'll say things that bug me. If they manufacture soap, I say what I think about pollution. If it's automobiles, I say what I think about them. If I pour water, I'll say, would you like your quota of mercury today? If I serve cream, I say, here is your substitute. I think you're drinking plastic. I just can't keep quiet. I have an opinion on every single subject there is. In the beginning, it was theology, and my bosses didn't like it. Now I'm apolitical, and my bosses don't like it. I speak sotto voce, but if I get heated, then I don't give a damn. I speak like an Italian speaks. I can't be servile. I give a service. There's a difference. I'm called by my first name. I like my name. I hate to be called Miss. Even when I serve a lady, a strange woman, I will not say madam. I hate ma'am. I always say milady. In the American language, there is no word to address a woman to indicate whether she's married or unmarried. So I say milady. And sometimes I playfully say to the man, milord. It would be very tiring if I had to say, would you like a cocktail? and say that over and over. So I come out different for my own enjoyment. I would say, what's exciting at the bar that I can offer? I can't say, do you want coffee? Maybe I'll say, are you in the mood for coffee? Or the coffee sounds exciting. Just rephrase it enough to make it interesting for me. That would make them take an interest. It becomes theatrical, and I feel like Matahari, and it intoxicates me. People imagine a waitress couldn't possibly think or have any kind of aspiration other than to serve food. When somebody says to me, you're great, how come you're just a waitress? Just a waitress, I'd say, why, don't you think you deserve to be served by me? It's implying that he's not worthy, not that I'm not worthy. It makes me irate. I don't feel lowly at all. I feel sure. I myself feel sure. I don't want to change the job. I love it. Tips? I feel like Carmen. It's like a gypsy holding out a tambourine and they throw the coin and she laughs. If you like people, you're not thinking of the tips. I never count my money at night. I always wait till morning. If I thought about my tips, I'd be uptight. I never look at a tip. You pick it up fast. I would do my bookkeeping in the morning. It would be very dull for me to know I was making so much and no more. I do like challenge, and it isn't demeaning, not for me. There might be occasions when the customers might intend to make it demeaning, the man about town, the conventioneer. When the time comes to pay the check, he would do little things. How much should I give you? He might make an issue about it. I'd say to one, don't play God with me, do what you want. Then it really didn't matter whether I got a tip or not. I would split it out, my resentment, that he dares make me feel I'm operating only for a tip. He'd ask for his check. Maybe he's going to sign it. He'd take a very long time, and he'd make me stand there. Let's see now. What do you think I ought to give you? 
He would not let go of that moment, and you knew it. You knew he meant to demean you. He's holding the change in his hand, or if he'd sign, he'd flourish the pen and wait. These are the times I get really angry. I'm not reticent. Something would come out. Then I really didn't care. Goddamn, keep your money. There are conventioneers who leave their lovely wives or their bad wives. They approach you and say, are there any hot spots? Where can I find girls? It is, of course, first directed at you. I don't mean that as a compliment, because they're all looking, all they're looking for is females. They're not looking for companionship or conversation. I am quite adept at understanding this. I think I'm interesting enough that someone may just want to talk to me, but I would philosophize that away. After all, what is left after you talk? The hours have gone by, and I could be home resting or reading or studying guitar, which I do on occasion. I would say, what are you going to offer me, drinks? And then I'd point to the bar. I have it all here. He'd look blank and then say, and then I'd say, a man? If I need a man, wouldn't you think I'd have one of my own? Must I wait for you? Life doesn't frighten me anymore. There are only two things that relegate us, the bathroom and the grave. Either I'm going to have to go to the bathroom now, or I'm going to die now. I go to the bathroom. And I don't have a high opinion of bosses. The more popular you are, the more the boss holds it over your head. You're bringing them business, but he knows you're getting good tips and you won't leave. You have to worry not to overplay it, because the boss becomes resentful, and he uses this as a club over your head. If you become too good a waitress, there's jealousy. They don't come in and say, where's the boss? They ask for Dolores. It doesn't make a hit. That makes it rough. Sometimes you say, ah, hell, why am I trying so hard? I did get an ulcer. Maybe the things I kept to myself were twisting me. It's not the customers, never the customers. It's injustice. My dad came from Italy, and I think of his broken English, injust. He hated injustice. If you hate injustice for the world, you hate more than anything injustice toward you. Loyalty is never appreciated, particularly if you're the type who doesn't like small talk and are not the type who makes reports on your fellow worker. The boss wants to find out what is going on surreptitiously. And in our society today, you have informers everywhere. They've informed on cooks and co-workers. Oh, someone wasted this. They would say I'm talking to all the customers. I saw her carry such and such out. See if she wrote that on her check. The salad looked like it had... The salad looked like it was a double salad. I don't give anything away. I just give myself. Informers will manufacture things in order to make their jobs worthwhile. They're not sure of themselves as workers. All, there's all, there's always someone who wants your station, who would be pretender to the crown. In life, there is always someone who wants somebody's job. I'd get intoxicated with giving service. People would ask for me, and I didn't have enough tables. Some of the girls are standing and don't have customers. There is resentment. I feel self-conscious. I feel a sense of guilt. It cramps my style. I would like to say to the customer, 
go to so-and-so, but you can't do that because you feel a sense of loyalty. So you would rush, get to your customers quickly. Some don't care to drink, and still they wait for you. That is a compliment. There is plenty of tension. If the cook isn't good, you fight to see that the customers get what you know they like. You have to use diplomacy with cooks, who are always dangerous. And she laughs. They're madmen. She laughs again. You have to be their friend. They better like you. And your bartender better like you too, because he may do something to the drink. If your bartender doesn't like you, and your cook doesn't like you, your boss doesn't like you, the other girls don't like you, you're in trouble. And there will be customers who are hypochondriacs, who feel they can't eat, and I coax them. Then I hope I can get it just the way from the cook. I may mix the salad myself, just the way they want it. Or maybe there's a party of ten big shots, and they'd say, Dolores, I have special clients. Do your best tonight. You just hope that you have the right cook behind the broiler. You really want to pleasure your guests. He's selling something. He wants things right, too. You're giving your all. How does the steak look? If you cut his steak, you look at it surreptitiously. How is it going? Carrying dishes is a problem. We do have accidents. I spilled a tray once with steak for seven on it. It was a big, gigantic T-bone, all sliced. But when that tray fell, I went with it and never made a sound. Dish and all, softly, never made a sound. It took about an hour and a half to cook that steak. How would I explain this thing? That steak was salvaged. And she laughs. Some don't care. When the plate is down, you hear the sound. I try not to have that sound. I want my hands to be right when I serve. I pick up a glass. I want it to be just right. I get to be almost oriental in serving. I like it to look nice all the way. To be a waitress, it's an art. I feel like a ballerina, too. I have to go between those tables, between those chairs. Maybe that's the reason I always stayed slim. It is a certain way I can go through a chair no one else can do. I do it with an air. If I drop a fork, there is a certain way I pick it up. I know they can see how delicately I do it. I'm on stage. I tell everyone I'm a waitress and I'm proud. If a nurse gives surface, I say, you're a professional. Whatever you do, be professional. I always compliment people. I like to have my station looking nice. I like to see there's enough ashtrays when they're having their coffee and cigarettes. I don't like ashtrays so loaded that people are not enjoying the moment. It offends me. I don't do it because I think that's going to make a better tip. It offends me as a person. People say, no one does good work anymore. I don't believe it. You know who's saying that? The man at the top, who says the people beneath him are not doing a good job. He's the one who always said, you're nothing. The housewife who has all the money, she believed housework was demeaning because she hired someone else to do it. If it weren't so demeaning, why didn't she do it? So, anyone who did her housework was a person to be demeaned. The maid who did all the work, all the housework, said, Well, hell, if this is the way you feel about it, I won't do your housework. You tell me I'm no good, I'm nobody. Well, maybe I'll go out and be somebody.
They're only mad because they can't find someone to do it now. The fault is not in the people who did the, quote, lowly work. Just a waitress. At the end of the night, I feel drained. I think a lot of waitresses become alcoholics because of that. In most cases, a waiter or a waitress does not eat. They handle food. They don't have time. You'll pick at something in the kitchen, maybe a piece of bread. You'll have a cracker, a little bit of soup. You go back and take a teaspoonful of something. Then maybe sit down afterwards and have a drink, maybe three, four, five. And bartenders, too. Most of them are alcoholics. They'd go out in a group. They're at all the after-hour places. You've got to go release your tension. So they go out before they go to bed. Some of them stay out all night. It's tiring. It's nerve-wracking. We don't ever sit down. We are on stage, and the bosses are watching. If you get the wrong shoes, you get the wrong stitch in that shoe, that does bother you. Your feet hurt. Your body aches. If you come out in anger at things that were done to you, it would only make you feel cheapened, really. I've been keeping it to myself, but of late, I'm beginning to spew it out. It's almost as though I sensed my body and soul had had quite enough. It builds and builds in your guts, and you're crying. I can think about it. And here she cries softly. Because you're tired. When the night is done, you're tired. You've had so much. There's so much going. You had to get it done. The dread that something wouldn't be right because you want to please. You hope everyone is satisfied. The night's done. You've done your act. The curtains close. The next morning is pleasant again. I take out my budget book, write down how much I've made, what my bills are. I'm managing. I won't give up this job as long as I'm able to do it. I feel out of contact if I just sit at home. At work, they all consider me a kook. She laughs. That's okay. No matter where I'd be, I would make a rough road for me. It's just me, and I can't keep still. It hurts, and what hurts has to come out. And here is uh, Studs Terkel usually puts at the end of his interviews a postscript, a last quotation uh, from the person he has just interviewed. And she says, After 16 years, that was seven years ago, I took a trip to Hawaii in the Caribbean for two weeks. I went with a lover. The kids saw it. They're all married now. One of my daughters said, act your age. And I said, honey, if I were acting my age, I wouldn't be walking. My bones would ache. You don't want to hear about my arthritis. Aren't you glad? I'm happy. Any comments? or suggestions for readings I should make in future episodes can be emailed to humanvoiceswakeus, the number one, at gmail.com. Links to each work used in this episode can be found in the episode description. If you enjoy Human Voices Wake Us, you can subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. The music here is Duke Ellington's Arabesque Cookie.